Welcome to Filled to Flourish with Luke and Lauren. Where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hi, guys. We're going to uh, follow up on our last um, podcast. We talked last time about secure attachment and what creates that secure attachment. What does it look like? And today we're going to talk about insecure attachment. Yeah. And what a topic that's, that is. It's a hard topic. It really is. So before we jump in, how you doing, babe? Well, I wonder if we kind of feel the heaviness of this topic. And um, I mean, gosh, just this year, the heaviness of life and all the things that are not all right in the world. Um, yeah. So I'm just feeling that a bit today and trying to leave some space for that. But mm-hmm. Also, at the same time, because things can be felt, you know, seemingly contradictory right. emotions can be felt. I'm also feeling really thankful that we have each other mm-hmm. in the midst of hard, like we yeah. know how to do relationship in hard crap. Yeah, things don't have to be perfect. Hard seasons, yeah. To be good. Right, exactly. We can still have the closeness and intimacy that really we long for, that makes this we've all- we've worked for. We've worked for, Yep. So it's not so isolating when we go through hard times and hard mm-hmm. seasons when we have each other. So yeah, yeah. I'm feeling thankful for that too. Yeah. And I'm eager to talk about this with you today. Um, it's really important. It is. And like you were saying, feeling some of that importance, but the weight of it, um, just preparing for this talk, I could just feel the uh, some attachment triggers mm-hmm. of uh, as a parent mm-hmm. um as a kid with a insecure attachment just physiologically you your body responds mm-hmm. my body responds yeah um and i felt that yeah. as as we're preparing and talking about it so i um will just explain um a little bit of how you develop an insecure attachment so we're kind of jumping in and adding on to what we talked about last episode. So they're definitely connected. Um, But when you as a kid feel abandonment, uh, isolation, powerlessness, or any level of being uncared for in those early years of development, um, this is what uh, generally um, develops an insecure attachment style in a child. Yeah. And really, a lot of the research shows that by the first year, even, this has started to develop. You can actually, yeah, see some of the traits Mm -hmm. of whether it's insecure and which type of insecure and secure. Mm -hmm. By a one-year-old. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, And also, uh, a person that you worked with did a lot of research and talked about this a lot. And Mm -hmm. she shared that the first thousand days post-conception of a person's life. So that would be like the first year, right? In utero. And then the two years after that. So conception to two years um, is just that crucial time for human development of their attachment style. Yeah. Your brain is receiving, starts receiving that feedback of secure attachment or insecure attachment from conception, um, which is really powerful. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, but also makes a lot of sense when you look at um, mm-hmm. different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you were saying about the insecure attachment of feeling abandoned, isolated, powerless, or uncared for, this reminds me of um, Adam Young. Uh, he has a podcast. I'll be quoting him all the time. All the time. <laughs> Just love his stuff. Um, that everybody enters the world looking for mm-hmm. somebody, looking for them. Yeah. And... So it's, and he also says the food may meet the table, mm-hmm. the roof over the head, and you even may be um, entering into church every week. So you're doing the quote unquote right things, but they're still feeling this insecurity. Yeah. So today we really want to focus on that and, and also um, bring light on it's not just doing the right thing, but it's the emotional availability right. is what creates attachment. Right. It's not it's not even playing sitting down and playing games all the time. Sure. It's not 
uh, being a stay-at-home mom. It's mm-hmm. um, it's not going to every sports game. Yeah, uh, it's not even eating dinners together every night. It's mm. it's are we emotionally available for our kids? Yeah. And we can look at our childhood and say, were our parents emotionally available? Mm. They were present, maybe. They were. They tried really hard. Um, but another tool that Adam Young has, um, you just look up big, the big six. With Adam Young, you have a, a document that he um, he's created. And the big six, he goes into the big six that creates a secure attachment. So the number one is attunement. And that is, were your parents um, aware of your feelings? Mm-hmm. So not just w- they, they saw you screaming or crying. Right. But when you came home from school and they said, how was school? And you said, fine. Did they just leave it there? Mm-hmm. Um, when you were maybe depressed and irritable, they try to shut you up and say, like, why are you being such a brat? Mm-hmm. Or did they pursue your heart and say, what's going on here? So that's that's just noticing, okay, something's wrong. That's as a tumor. Yeah, well, something's wrong. Then number two is responsiveness. Okay, so I notice something's wrong. Now, am I moving towards them or am I shutting them up? Mm-hmm. And then three, engagement. Okay. I um I tuned to them. I responded to them. Now I'm engaging with them. And that engagement is I'm engaging with their emotions. I'm not shutting them down. Mm-hmm. I'm letting them feel. Mm-hmm. I'm allowing them express. Yeah. And so maybe they are saying um, that you hurt them. So number four is your ability to regulate your own arousal. So when they have that critique of you, when they have that feedback that you hurt them, are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. When you Can you recognize your... Um, attachment trigger and be in control and give them space for that. And so arousal here, um, go back yes. to that. Uh, remember last episode, if you listened, we talked about the emotional regulation uh, line mm-hmm. um, continuum, zero to 10, and that four, five, six being the area of regulation. So arousal um, would correlate with that too, right? Yeah, that's emotional regulation is is um, another word for it. it could be emotional arousal. Like your, um, how are you hypo hyper hyper aroused or hypo aroused? So yeah, the emotional regulation. So you hear your kids say, "I just don't feel like you're here for me, and I feel really alone, and I'm angry about that." And internally, you may be listening and nodding in your head, but you may be getting super um, agitated inside and, and or wanting to defend angry, yourself, wanting to lash out and say, "I work so hard to take care of you, and mm-hmm. I'm way better than my parents," and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Or you may feel yourself shutting off, mm-hmm. like you hear hard this hard stuff coming out of the kid that you love, and you're just you can't handle you're it, broken by it, yeah. Yep. So you just shut off your emotions and, and when you shut them off, you're not available. Right. And which takes you to five. Are you strong enough to handle it? Mm-hmm. their negative emotions? So again, are you allowing them to speak their heart? Are you giving them a voice? Um, and we're not saying that kids should be disrespectful and um, rude or anything like that. But when they give you that feedback of you hurt me or I feel like you didn't listen to me, are you defending yourself? Are you shutting down? Are you allowing them to holding space for their their pain and their hurt? Mm -hmm. And then the six is willingness to repair. Mm -hmm. If they're sharing that information, do you repair the relationship? And sometimes situations, you don't have all six of these. Um, Maybe there's some conflict and you just need to say sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, are you able to, in your own self, regulate yourself and then go to them? Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to attune to them and see that you've made a mistake, you hurt them, mm-hmm. um, and then respond in a way that is reconnecting? Yeah. So, so powerful. Will you repair your relationship? Because a child will always hold the responsibility of any broken relationship. Mm. Um, because they're always looking for that affirmation because everybody's looking for somebody looking for them. Right. So a child's going to look towards their parents as people who have the, the best interest. So if there's a broken relationship, they're going to say, oh, my parents, 
it's obviously not my parents' fault because mm-hmm. if it was, they would say sorry because mm-hmm. they teach me to say sorry. Yeah. So therefore, subconsciously, the child's going to say it must be my fault, mm-hmm. and so they're going to then try to appease their parents, yeah. earn their affection. Or some kids go the opposite way right, and, and push them away completely. Exactly. And that's where yeah. you start seeing the different attachment styles. Mm. So an anxious attached person might say, okay, I need to earn your favor. I need to earn your love. What can I do? Oh, I just did. I just cleaned my room and my parents came in and said, without addressing the issue, right? there's no reconnecting of the, of the relationship, but maybe you're just cleaning your room because you're frustrated and your parents come in and say, oh, you, your room looks great. Thanks for doing that. And that feels good. Like, oh. Okay, so this is how I fix my relationship. Mm-hmm. I have to do something, and they will tell me I'm okay. Yeah. So that's earning that favor. Or some pe- kids will say, "No matter what I do, doesn't matter." Yeah. So I'm gonna forget this relationship. Yeah. It's just hurtful. It's just painful, and so I'm going to just shut down and pull away. Yeah. And and we start seeing this like a lot in teenage years of kids starting to pull away and say, okay, my parents aren't safe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to my friends. I'm like for regulation. Um, and they start pulling away and we say, okay, they're avoiding this relationship. Um, you can kind of might be able to see some of those tendencies of avoidant attachment. Um, so backing up a little bit, so the three insecure attachments are anxious, which I mentioned of kind of earning that favor, avoidant, is okay, this relationship is painful and really relationships in general are painful. And risky. And risky. So I'm going to stay surface level and not really let people into those closed closed areas, yep. those intimate areas. Um, and then there's um, an anxious avoidant, um, mm-hmm. which is the combination. So- um, And that tends to be um, developed in uh, more significant, um, getting both messages in a very disorganized situation where you're getting some needs met and also there's fear and also there's, there's reason to avoid and there's reason to be unsure yep. of what you're going to get. Another name of that is disorganized. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that paints the picture of the parent is both the area, it, both the person of comfort and the person of hurt. Mm. So they're getting this mixed message of I'm safe, but I'm also dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so they have these unpredictable and uncontrollable um, responses to connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they usually have um, more um, uncontrollable and volatile re- responses to intimacy and rejection. Um, and it's, um, if you could see my hands, it's kind of that pushing away, but then also the other hand kind of saying, come closer. Mm-hmm. It's that stop and go, like, come closer and stop mm-hmm. kind of, kind of um, communication of, I need you, I need you, I need you, but not that close, not back up. And so I'll sabotage relationship and push you away when you get too close So in fear of being rejected. Okay. So just which one is that again? So that's a disorganized or anxious avoidant. Okay. So the reason this might be a little bit confusing for the listeners, there's different names um, for the attachment styles. Mm -hmm. And so this was, um, this is a a theory in psychology and the, the founder started or the, what would it be called? Person who created the theory. Theorist. Okay. So so he started this theory. He um, theorized it, if you will. And then as it's developed, people have kind of put different names for clarity's sake onto it. But for for as we are communicating in this podcast, we will be using the three different terms, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and anxious avoidant attachment. So those are the three insecure attachment styles that a person can have. Yes. Thanks um, for clarifying that. That's sure, good. Sure thing. So let me just summarize again these three insecure attachments. So anxious attachment, what it looks like. These people may be preoccupied and worried and clingy, uh, looking for a validation and reassurance of the relationship. Yes. Um, it always feels unsure, especially in conflict. When Yeah, when there's that attachment trigger, we call it. Mm. Um, so there's intimacy, there's conflict, you get triggered, 
this is what your behaviors might see. Okay. For avoidant attached person, um, relationship is going to be scary, mm -hmm. but emotional closeness and intimacy is going to be really scary. Okay. So an anxious person may pursue that because they want safety. Avoidant person, that's going to be very threatening and scary to them. Okay. Um, an avoidant attached person is going to be struggle to ask for help because mm -hmm. that's going to be intimacy. Yeah, I need I need you. There's I risk have to rely on you. Vulnerability there, and then there's that risk of being rejected. Yeah. Then an anxious avoidant person, uh, as I said, they may be unpredictable and have volatile behaviors, mm -hmm. um, uh, and they are going to have really lack the coping strategies and emotional regulation and have um, significant problems in relationship. Yeah. Um, so what what might this look like in, in adults? Um, yeah, because I imagine people are thinking like maybe in extremes only. Right. Like, well, goodness, these are people that really don't function well in normal life and, and aren't even capable of a relationship. Yeah. That there's a whole continuum for each attachment style. Absolutely. Even. Like you could be way more high functioning with an insecure attachment, or you could be um, have no relationships pretty much. Right. Burned every bridge. And like, uh, yeah, it's there is a continuum. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And like, avoiding attached person isn't the person who's antisocial or psychopath. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's somebody who's going to be struggling with intimacy. Yeah. Um, yep. They may be dating a bunch of, uh, having short stints of relationships and dating them a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so Until it gets close. Exactly. They're yep. dating for six months and they start, the girlfriend's like, are we going to get married? Oh, they start critiquing the person. They're not, mm. they're not a good fit. Mm. They're not stable. They're not, we're going in different directions. <laughs> um, or an anxious person might be the person who can't be without somebody. Mm. So... They're, they are kind of love sick. They're like love addicted. Yeah. Uh, the love addict and um, always wanting that, that high, always needing somebody to assure them of that they're pretty, that they're good enough. Mm -hmm. And so once they get, they, someone breaks up with them, they're looking for the next person because I need that person. Yeah. So they're not, they're normal people living life and mm -hmm. trying to solve, um, Meet their attachment needs yeah. in the way they know how. Exactly. And that's why awareness is so helpful mm -hmm. because realizing your baseline attachment style absolutely can transform how you um, internally and externally go about relationships. Yeah. Yep. Um, how you handle conflict. Um, how, what makes you dysregulate. Mm hmm. Um, we're we're going to go into that in just a second. So some examples, um, those two dating examples, but um, you may have low self-esteem, low self-worth. These are examples of, of um, adults in, with insecure attachment styles. Correct. Um, they sh struggle asking for help. You They push people away, um, have a fear of abandonment, um, clingy, dependent. Or they're overly independent and resistant. That might be like an avoidant person. Mm -hmm. um, constantly seeking for a reassurance in a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's more of an anxious person. Mm -hmm. um, jealous and threatened by partner's independence. Um, again, more of an anxious person because, mm -hmm. oh, they don't need me. I must yep. not be good enough. Yeah. Um, so those are some examples. Um, and, and so we are all have these attachment triggers. If you have an insecure attachment, you have this attachment trigger. And um, we are all trying to find ways to emotionally regulate. Yes. So if you have a secure attachment, you still need to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. But with a secure attachment, your brain's been trained to know how to do that already. Okay. Because your parents have shown you and your brain has mirrored it and saying, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. With an insecure attachment, your brain's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so we start learning ways of doing it because um, we are <laughs> we survive. We Nobody wants to live in that hypo, that one to four scale of hyper aroused or that seven to nine, 10 where you're hyper aroused. Like we cannot live in that well. Yeah. 
So how do we bring ourselves up? How do we bring ourselves down? And it could look very healthy. Mm. They could be a really good employee. Mm -hmm. They're putting in 90 hours a week and they are committed to their job, but they're a workaholic because they can't be home because their wife is asking to be, have emotional intimacy, to, to know him, to share his heart, to have him share his heart, to listen to her heart. And he can't do it. Mm. The kids, they're, they're crazy. They're normal kids. They're, they dysregulate him. He doesn't know how to handle that. So rather than failing as a dad, he can succeed as an employee. Wow. It makes so much sense. And in America, we pat them on the back. Right. We're like, man, they were amazing. Uh -huh. Let's give them awards. Let's give them raises. But what we're doing is we're facilitating a dysfunctional way of emotionally regulating. Yeah. Um, and I've come to, to believe that every addiction Mm. is a maladaptive way of way of emotionally regulating um so alcoholism is a downer so this is somebody that's really anxious and hyper aroused more 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 often than not so internally they might feel like on the scale seven eight nine uh, regularly without mm -hmm. the aid of the alcohol's um, depressing effects in yep. the sense of lowering that highly wound, highly anxious yep. self. Yep. And maybe at 12 years old, they were introduced to alcohol and that's, and their brain said, Ooh, mm. that brought us down. Yeah. Our brain's not saying, Oh, that's poison. That probably is going to kill us in 20 years. We shouldn't do that and cause a bunch of other marital and relational issues. It's saying survive. Yep. I want to be in five to six and this does it. And so next time the, the person is hyper-aroused, hyper the brain remembers and says, let's go to get that. And so it starts craving it. And the more often you feed it, the more your brain's craving it. Um, smoking, it's again, hyper, and it's bringing them down. So that nicotine is bringing them and regulating them. Um, cocaine, somebody has hypo. They need to come out of that depressive, hyper-aroused. Hypo. Sorry, thank you. That hypo aroused and come up to that five or six area because they've been in that one and just blah. Yeah. Um, they just want to feel something. They just want to feel something. And a very common one is like sex addiction or pornography. I see it all the time. Um, whether you're um, in the church, Christian, religious, or outside of the church, um, it is a very common uh, coping coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, and it's becoming more common because it's easy accessible. It's free. It's supply and demand. And it's, it's out there. And also within the church, we've said this is a forbidden sin. So not only is it wrong, but let's not talk about it. Right. Rather than looking as a coping mechanism and saying, let's help you find another way to regulate. Yes. And also there's just the insidiousness of you can, until you get really far down the road, but you can function mm -hmm. with this addiction. Right. Whereas, um, you know, you get you get several years under your belt as an alcoholic or definitely as a, a drug addict. Mm -hmm. um, things are going to start falling apart right. more quickly. Whereas these secret addictions that are inside the privacy of your own room, um, wow, they can be hidden yeah. from everyone. And yet, what do you see with the impact of them? Is there less of an impact? No. Um, even if they're able to surface level have relationships, internally, there's turmoil, mm. which um, facilitates the addiction. Yeah, because they have shame, so they go hypo. They need their drug, their drug pornography, to bring yeah. them back up, or they're anxious of getting caught, so they need regulation to bring them down. Mm. And so there's this insidious um, need. And the I, I work a lot with um, sex addicts, and so this is a passion of mine to help and support people, because, like, as a drug addict, everybody, most, the culture sees that and says, okay, we need to help them. Mm -hmm. As an alcoholic, we need to help them. Mm -hmm. um, it, with pornography, it's either it's not an issue, so I don't need to address it, or it's 
I'm the worst person in the world. And so I can't talk to anybody. Right. And so um, there, they can be a missing culture that really gets overseen. Um, but there's, and a lot of people think that they're like this perverts. Um, they feel a lot of shame with themselves, but really what they, what I love to help them see is they're just not coping with life well. Yeah. And this has been come, um, Adam Young says this, like pornography is a better parent to you than your parents were. Oh, and you're going to have to unpack that a little bit for people. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's like super offensive at first here. It is. But really what they're saying is, what he says is pornography regulates you. It attunes to you. Mm -hmm. It responds to you. It pursues you. It allows you to have hard emotions. It regulates itself so that you can be regulated. And everything a parent is supposed to do, it does. Mm. Um, and it's, um, and a lot of times when people see that, a lot of the shame goes away. It's not, oh, it's okay for me to do this. It's, right. oh. There's a reason my heart is is drawn right. towards this. And then they can start looking at having compassion for themselves. Yeah of why they started out. Because again, a lot of times it's like, oh, I hated that person that started this because look what they've left me with. Right. But we can start looking at, oh, that 13-year-old, that 10-year-old, that 18-year-old was trying to survive and regulate. And this was the tool of the parent that did it best. Mm. Um, and so the shame starts coming off and you can address it. And we'll go, we'll talk about more about that in future podcasts as we talk about your story, mm. that you have a story that there you have pain and there's reasons you do the things that you do. Absolutely. Um, so these are some of the dysfunctional ways that we emotionally regulate. Yeah. I want to throw in a few more um, common, maybe less benign or more benign mm. ones, you know, that people would assume are more benign yeah. um, food, yep. how we regulate with food continually yep. um, spending. Yep. Um, achieving, like, you know, getting the next best car, yeah. upgrading your house. Like, all of that is giving that neural networking feedback of good mm. or, or of stability. Mm -hmm. It's giving that feedback of what your brain's looking for, that dopamine rush, that serotonin sure. ease. Yeah. Um, and it's easy as humans for us to judge are different ways like mm -hmm. okay cutting so the the young girl who cuts well that's shameful and ridiculous why would you ever cut yourself to feel better that's absurd mm -hmm. well i'm i'm gonna be over here um you know spending putting pushing by 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 multiple times a week um and that's more honorable like we just we kind of can other people yeah. with the, the ways that they have sought to bring that inner regulation and peace in their life um, if we feel like our way is better. <laughs> yes. And you bring up a great point of why it's so important to look at our story and look at how we regulate ourselves, Because once we start looking at that insight and understanding why we do it and being able to have compassion about why we do it, not judgment, mm. then we are able to see that there's, oh, there's reasons why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Maybe that person has a reason why they do what they do. Yeah. And we can start having compassion and starting to love people yeah. um, the way that we're supposed to and the way we believe Jesus commands and calls us to. Yeah. Um, and so we start stopping othering out in the world, but then we can, in our relationships, oh, my husband, he does this and it's really hurtful, really annoying to me. Mm-hmm. But, oh, there's a reason why. Yeah. Let me look at why he does this and see if I can attune to that need. Yeah. Instead of looking at being mad at him for this, the way he's regulating or my spouse or my wife. That, that reminds me of um, something we wanted to talk about. That's just a great segue of my husband does this and it really hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> so Wait, I hurt you? Yeah. Oh, sometimes man. you kind of do. I it's, know. It, 
It's true. And you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. He gets really mad. I haven't said it in a while. Thank goodness. But, um, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I've learned is like a no-go. But when you're married to a mental health professional, it's really um, not beneficial. Frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a conflict to be like, what are you doing? You would never say this to a client. You would never advise a client to respond this way to their wife, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. That, that never has gone over well. Yeah, no. I tried it a few times though. Yeah. I, I thought it was brilliant. Well. <laughs> it was, fell flat on its face, but, um, yes, I, um, we have hurt each other and we continue to, mm -hmm. and I'm so glad we have the tools to work through that. Um, but so we want to share more um kind of like what it looks like to engage with the two attachment styles we have and so um i have uh we both believe that we have an insecure attachment style mm -hmm. um, mine would be anxious attachment and luke's is anxious avoidant so he gets the double whammy and um i have the anxious so we both have the similar anxious part but i i don't have the avoidant part um I don't think we'd ever talk if we both had avoided. <laughs> um, but one thing to point out is any two insecure attachment styles are going to repel one another. They're going to um, have a synergistically more negative effect than just one uh, insecure attachment with a secure. Mm -hmm. So if you happen to marry someone who has a secure attachment, congratulations, <laughs> because you landed the jackpot. There's not many of them out there. Um, or if you are one. But with that security, you're able to um, help co-regulate your spouse better because you're not so easily um you don't, yeah, you're not easily dysregulated because you don't have an insecure attachment style. Um, not to say you're not hurt and things like that, but you're able to be more steady. When you have two married people or in a relationship with both having insecure attachment styles, whew, you're in for a ride because they are going to naturally um, bring out the worst in one another. In conflict or opportunities of intimacy. Exactly. So, yeah, um, do you want to explain kind of how ours play out together? Since, I mean, there's only three insecure attachment styles. It's yeah. not like there's dozens to pick from. Mm -hmm. So hopefully our examples will help. Um, Give an idea of what to look for. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we're going to go general um, just for the sake of time and, and ease. Mm -hmm. But basically, when one of us is, our attachment is triggered, um, a big one for me is like being rejected mm -hmm. or, or the interpretation that I'm being rejected. Sure. Or I'm not good enough. Which could be through like criticism. Yeah. Which is like, po like even positive criticism. Like, uh, like positive feedback. Yeah. Or, so, uh, or constructive criticism. That's it. Yeah. Constructive criticism. Um, depending on the area, it could be so an insecurity where I just, I shut down or I'm hurt. Yeah. Um, so we'll go with something like that. Um, and so there's a conflict. I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. I, I have, I have a good one. I just thought okay. of a good one as you were saying that. Yeah. So say, um, so I used to do, I, I'm a nurse and I used to work 12 hour shifts. And when I came home, I'd want the house to be a certain way. Hmm. And I would try to explain that, you know, without overwhelming you, mm -hmm. um, what I what I wanted, which would help me not feel so overwhelmed when I came home. Yes. So you would spend twelve hours caring for the kids, caring for the house, doing whatever you needed to do at home, and I, and and doing the best that you could at, at that time to have the house picked up or whatever. Yeah. And I'd come home and it wasn't really picked up, <laughs> pretty much, uh, back in the day. Yeah. And so you would almost anticipate, well, I'm going to try and she's still going to be not happy with me. Mm -hmm. And so that was like his, his, uh, am anxious attachment kind of coming out. Like she's going to, I'm not really sure she's going to be okay with me in this. Yep. Um, so I'd come home and I'd kind of be huffing and puffing, be passive aggressive and not just be like, wow, this house is a dump, which also is <laughs> the right way to go about it. But I would 
be showing him indirectly that I wasn't happy with how things were. And so he'd be sensing that because most communication is nonverbal, right? Most of us know that. So he'd be gathering all that communication I was sending off uh, and he would start to feel that rejection. Which would send me, which would also trigger that avoidance. Yep. Um, And as you were saying, that that pre-conversation before you got home, Mm -hmm. there was anxiety of that anxious attachment of, Am I good enough? I need that feedback. Yeah. But also the avoidance of, I know I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So why am I even trying? Wow. And so my defenses are already up and ready for a fight. Yeah. Because when you have a, a attachment trigger, um, you get that fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm-hmm. So your frontal lobe shuts off. As I we've mentioned, I'll say this over and over. <laughs> Um, and so you're not thinking logically, you're thinking in survival. So your limbic system is starts assessing your environment for dangers. So based, based on previous experiences. Mm-hmm. So if I grew up not getting affirmation that I'm okay, yeah, then any criticism I f- that follows that is going to be connected to that original trauma. Yeah. And so my brain's going to remember that and say, okay, any threat of rejection you need to protect yourself. So Lauren comes home and she says the house isn't clean enough. Okay, that that triggers me. Now, every time after that, I'm to be assessing that environment as not safe. So I'm, I have this anxiety of tell me I'm good enough, but I know I'm not. So let's fight. Mm-hmm. So Lauren comes out home wanting to be loved and her needs being met and say, I'm good enough. Yeah. So the house is clean. Yeah. And so she's pr- looking for that. But once she gets home and the house isn't what she expected, she gets the message, I'm not good enough. Mm. So she starts, she's triggered. Yeah. This environment is not safe. Yeah. I'm not cared for. I just worked 12 hours in the ER. I might have seen deaths or overdoses or um, family drama or people on their deathbed. And and I'm emotionally spent and physically spent. And here I am working. And you know, like that, that inner dialogue we play of like, look what I'm doing. Can I just be seen and cared for in my own heart? You know, it's not the physical, it's rarely the, the, the thing that's on the outside. It's mm-hmm. usually deeper. Yep. And so I'm, I'm feeling just like, oh my gosh, why can't um, I be cared for yep. in the hardness that I'm walking through with that? And so you are now triggered. Yep. I'm already triggered. <laughs> and you also bring up a good point is the why it's important to know these things because we start having conversations and being aware of where am I moving into these opportunities of being triggered. Mm-hmm. So she's coming home from work already exhausted, but like vulnerable. And that's playing a part in this situation. Um, if she's out with her friends and girls and comes home to a not such a clean house, it might not be such a trigger. Right. But there's other, there's story mm. that goes into these. Mm-hmm. And so we're both triggered. I'm going, I tend to, I would tend to pretend like <laughs> the house is good. And if I don't acknowledge the dishes I forgot to do or the clothes I forgot to fold, Maybe she won't see them. <laughs> so that's the avoidance of let's let's pretend let's let's not talk about this stuff and just pretend like we're okay. Yeah. Because if we don't pretend like we're okay, then you're gonna tell me I'm okay, then we're not gonna be okay. Right. <laughs> but you're over there also anxious saying, Doesn't he love me? Right. And I'm over there thinking, um, why can't he just say Babe, I'm sorry. I didn't get to it. I didn't get to it. I see that you are upset. I can tell you're upset and you're overwhelmed. Um, I'm sorry. I did my best today. I really did. Mm -hmm. And in that moment of facing reality, um, I don't know. It seems like that would be really important for an anxiously attached person. I can only speak for myself. But the avoidantly attached person is... um, avoids reality sometimes. And so that is hard when you just feel like, you don't want to play games. Um, you want reality to just be spoken into, and then you'll be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that type of dynamic. So then, you know, he he doesn't acknowledge that. He just wants it to to be okay. Okay. He wants the same thing I want. Essentially, we all yeah. do as humans. 
but we go about it a different way. And that's why it's so important to know what your attachment style is. So in the, you know, bad scenario, he doesn't acknowledge it. He just kind of gets quiet and shuts down and does his own thing that night. I go take a shower. I move on with my night and we're disconnected and um, don't have the intimacy we long for because we're both in our attachment styles and we can't break through to, um, to what? To, to understanding intimacy. and intimacy. Because I know if I say something, I, I don't know, I think this isn't safe. So if I bring up something, I'm going to be rejected. Yeah. So let's just have this surface level intimacy mm-hmm. of at least we're not fighting. Yeah. At least we don't know that we're fighting. I can <laughs> I can ignore the reality that we're fighting. Right. And that's also conflict of way I grew up doing things. Mm-hmm. It's just brush under the rug and not talk about it. And if you hurt somebody, if they talk to you, then you know things are okay. Yes. So I'm just waiting for you to say the first word and say that. And then I'm like, oh, okay, things are good. Yeah. Not knowing that I need to address the hurt. Yeah. And not knowing that you're over there anxious saying, does he love me? Mm -hmm. Waiting for you to tell me, tell you that I love you and I'm sorry. Yeah. And and so we're both in our attachment and few and. And we'll talk about this, like in our inner room, talking mm-hmm. about ways that we're we've hurt each other, or why we why I don't need to apologize, why right justifying yeah, our, our own stances, protecting myself, yeah, and you protecting yourself and validating your needs. Oh yeah, and, and and saying the worst things that I can about you that aren't even true. Right, like he just he can't do this. I shouldn't be working because he can't take care of the house. He probably didn't take care of the kids today. And going down that bunny trail, it's it's called the inner room where you stew and stew on these and negative, harmful thoughts about the person you love. And it instead of creating a environment that gets you more ready to reconnect, it pushes mm-hmm. you farther and farther away. Yep. And it's really destructive to a relationship. Yeah, and because of your anxious attachment and stronger personality, you would push us mm-hmm. to talk. Yeah. And I would be triggered. Yeah. And I wouldn't handle things well. Yeah. Um, and eventually we would work things out and and find connection. And over the years, we've gotten better at that. We have. Thank God. It's taken a lot of work. And attachment has been a big thing. Yeah. Because now when I'm having that avoidance of like, let's just pretend like this doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I now know that you're over there anxiously attached and saying, does he love me? And I have to make a choice in that moment of saying, do I, am I going to be selfish mm. and feed my own attachment or can I move to her and create an, a, an, a, heal, a heal our attachment? Yeah. Create intimacy. Yeah. And um, learning how to do that and learning how to do that. I've had to know my attachment and learn how to, emotionally regulate myself mm-hmm. so that I can move towards you. Absolutely. If you didn't know, you would just continue to justify the way you do it and yeah. it would seem right. Um, and and that's why when you do it, when you have an insecure attachment, the way you do conflict resolution isn't healthy. Right. It just isn't. And there has to be that acknowledgement of this is not healthy. So like for me, that's looked like um, – growth in that area for me has been when I see Luke having a hard day and pulling away emotionally, just feeling overwhelmed by the, all of the sensory input that is in our house on the daily, um, pulling away uh, physically, but more emotionally. Um, instead of me saying, oh my goodness, he's not safe and he doesn't love me right now because I understand his attachment style. That's just a default, even though we're we're earning a secure attachment, it's still going to be our default. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. I understand mine. I know that I am going to be prone to having those insecure feelings of I'm not okay. I'm not safe. And I'm not really cared for right now. Um, So I have that choice in my mind to say, no, he's just having a hard day. I know he loves me. I know he's there for me and I'm going to give him space. And so that for me has been huge growth instead of, you know, pursuing you when you need space or, Instead of um, being mad at you mm-hmm. because you can't be the husband I want you to be in that moment, mm-hmm. I can I can create that space to let you be human and then to reconnect when you're more able to. Mm-hmm. You have done so much work there, babe. You've really grateful for those 
times where you're um, able to love me in those ways. And that's mm. those types of things that we've been able to do mm -hmm. throughout time has created that trust mm -hmm. of, of allowing a brain to start healing and being able to be regulated by each other, regulate ourselves, uh, where each other aren't such a threat. Yes. Uh, we're creating new brain wiring um, connections from that frontal lobe to that limbic system saying, okay, this person is safe. We have other experiences, but this person is safe. Um, and that's why, because we've done so much work on our story, addressing a lot of those, those uh, pains. And I just, everybody's listening. I just encourage you guys, this is a messy process. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> like of, of messing up, talking about it, seeing where you messed up, seeing what caused the, um, the trigger that time um, and, and learning from it. Uh, it takes a, a lot of commitment um, and vulnerability. Um, it's scary uh, really, um, emotionally mm -hmm. and relationally. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Um, looking back at our, I mean, we've been together for 18 years, <laughs> um, been married for 14 and a half, and looking at where we started from and where we are now, it feels like different people. Yeah. And um, I've, you'll learn more about our story, but we just, I, I had a lot of baggage and intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I don't just mean sexual, I mean mm -hmm. emotional, relational. Right. Um, it was it is difficult. Yeah. And yeah, you can actually just a little side note, you can have fine sex and, right. and, and have major intimacy problems. Right. So yeah. just a little thought for your day. Put that in the back for another the <laughs> yes. future podcast when we yes. talk about sex. <laughs> Those will be fun. Um, and that it's just messy and it takes time. Um, but it takes a lot of introspection and ability to look at your story. Because if you don't look at your story and you don't look at where you came from, um, you can't know why you're doing the things you do. You can't have compassion for those things and you can't have compassion for other people. Mm -mm. You can't give what you don't have. Mm. Um, and so I just encourage you all figure out what is your, your attachment style. Um, there's tons of stuff all over the internet um, that you can take quick assessments, but look at your conflict. How do you do conflict? Look at your relationships, your dating, what was that like? What was the needs you were looking for? Um, look at the big six. How did my parents do on this? How am I doing as a parent? Um, and that's the big six, Adam Young. It's on the internet, easy to find. Um, emotional regulation. What are some of the things that I do to emotionally regulate? Are they healthy ways mm -hmm. of doing it? Are they not? And again, don't look at, if they're not healthy, don't look at that with condemnation and judgment to say, okay, this is what I do. Mm. Um, this is where I'm at. How can I find new ways? Gosh, that is so true. We totally forgot to talk about healthy ways of seeking mm -hmm. that emotional regulation. Yeah. We talked about like all the pathological dangerous ways that harm relationship, but we're made to seek emotional regulation. That Absolutely. is built into us. That's not a, a weakness. Right. Yeah. It's actually powerful to do the healthy things your body needs and wants relationally, emotionally, physically, so that you can feel well yeah. and, and do well in all ways. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those ways is just a side note to, to seek emotional regulation. We probably could do a whole podcast on it. Maybe we will. Yeah, maybe we um, but some emotional ways of regulating it, um, it really, again, it takes uh, intentionality to scan yourself. Mm. Um, and where, when you feel that dysregulation, um, you have to scan yourself and where am I feeling it and what's causing it. And then some grounding techniques, simple grounding techniques of, of just deep breaths. Mm -hmm. um, Three deep breaths in, holding it for five seconds, blowing it out through your mouth and through your nose, out through your mouth. And that um, activates your, um, I won't go into all the details, but and it helps lower um, your stress hormones mm -hmm. and you start calming down. Um, other ways 
of of grounding. It's called a five, four, three, two, one. Um, because when you get triggered, sometimes you have anxiety attacks. Yeah, panic uh, attacks. Panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And and you're you feel like you're you don't even know what you're feeling, what trauma you're feeling, but you feel like you're back in some kind of trauma traumatic experience. And that's a lot of times what it what a panic attack is, is you're super triggered. Um and so you as you can you look around, you see five things and you say them out loud. Then you say, then you look um, for four things and um, four things that you hear. Um, then there's three things that you are touching. Um, so like I feel my feet on the floor. Um, and then two things that you smell mm-hmm. and one thing that you taste. So sometimes at a taste, you might have to get up. You might have to grab a piece of gum, a mint, um, a Tic Tac, something. And what this does, it's like I said, when you're triggered, your frontal lobe gets turned off. You're in your limbic system, which you're triggered. These things activate that frontal lobe and brings you back. Online. Online. So letting your brain know you're not back in that traumatic experience. You're present. You're here. You're safe. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really neat. We've all done it and we, we use it when we need to. And it's, mm-hmm. it's called grounding and it's very helpful to get you back to a not so scary place. Yeah. Yeah. And when you are, are not triggered necessarily, but just a little hypo or a little hyper and, and you don't feel great about it, um, go outside, take a walk, mm-hmm. get some fresh air, play a game that isn't um, stressful, but that just is, can promote yeah fun laughter enjoyment call someone who you know is a healthy relationship and chat and um color um bake you know there's so many healthy things that we're as humans that we can do with our bodies that really can just restore um us to feeling that regulation i was gonna say if you can go to somebody you trust and start and verbalize what you're feeling Hmm. um that was one of the a big thing for me when I started getting triggered is just and noticing it, telling Lauren, hey babe, I'm triggered. Babe, mm-hmm. I'm feeling hypo. I'm feeling anxious. Um, and just bringing that to the light takes away some of the power. That also gives Lauren information to to tune and move and also creates intimacy because I was vulnerable. Yeah. And um, which creates that safety. And so those are a couple ideas just to end off with of how to emotionally regulate and um, just encourage you to continue this journey. It's a scary one. It's a hard one. It's complicated, but it's worth it. And you're worth it. So mm-hmm. um, encourage you on to it and, and excited for you, for you, where you, it will take you on the journey yes. towards health and, and intimacy. So, so exciting. You're all worth it. Your stories are worth it. And, you know, us insecurely attached people really need to stick together. And the secure attached people out there, we need you too. Like you create such a stability for the rest of us. So we're thankful for all of you. And we just um, look forward to, like Luke said, the growth on your own journey. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.